Good morning, Covenant Network. Here we are on this Monday, March 14th. It's another day, another episode of Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright with you this morning on what some would lovingly call St. Louis Day and others would call Pi Day. More on that in a minute. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is a new day. It feels like we're an hour earlier today, even though the clock says 7 a.m., of course, uh, for those of you that have the reality of daylight savings time. Some of you don't. Some of you listening in part of our listening area, I know, do not. Uh, But for those of you that do, it it does feel like we are an hour earlier. But that's what it is. I, I will say I lament that I walked out the front door this morning and the sun was not up yet. It was starting to peak over the horizon, and that was beautiful. But I missed last week when I would come to the studio. The sun would already be up. It'd be a beautiful day. It won't be long now. It won't be long now. In fact, we've got just a week until the official start of spring, and I'm I'm looking forward to it, very much so. It's also, as I mentioned, St. Louis Day here in uh, St. Louis, where I'm from and where we broadcast from. The area code on the phone is 314, and today is March 14th, or 314. So happy St. Louis Day to everyone out there and to everyone else. It's happy Pi Day for the mathematicians 3.14. We all remember that. Uh, the area of a circle is what 2 pi r and, and everyone says what does dessert have to do with geometry? Uh, I don't know but we always enjoyed some pie in one of my math classes when I was in college on Pi Day. It was it was quite wonderful, um, and all the math students would walk around the dorms. Oh, we got pie today. We got pie today. And I'm like, all right, I love pie. I love key lime pie. I love French silk pie. I love chocolate pie. I love derby pie. Those are the pies I like. We've exhausted the list. Uh, so whether you're eating pie today or some uh, Red Hot Riplets or some cheese, uh, Provel cheese on your pizza, toasted raviolis, uh, whatever it may be, I hope you enjoy this day. We've got a lot to get to on the show today. Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes is going to be with us again this week talking about the Stations of the Cross and breaking open some ideas for how to pray the Stations with us. And then later on in the show, we're going to be talking with Father Bill Peckman, author of A Young Catholic's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. And I'm looking forward to that conversation, especially as my kids get older and I'm I'm wondering, you know, I know we need to talk about spiritual warfare with them and the reality of angels and demons and temptation and all of these things, but um, what's the best way to do it without going over the top and scaring them, but also not under, not underestimating, understating, I suppose, the importance of this reality. So Father Bill Peckman's going to help us out with that a little later on in the show, but before we can get to all of that, let's turn now to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. Matilda. Born in the Westphalia area of Germany late in the 9th century, she was the daughter of a local count and as a young girl went to the local abbey where her grandmother was abbess and grew to be well known across the region for her beauty, grace and charity. She married William the Fowler who became king of Germany but he died in 936. She had two sons. 
Henry and Otto. Matilda supported Henry's bid as king, but it was Otto who was elected, and Henry never got over that. After leading a revolt, Henry was made Duke of Bavaria, but when he led another revolt, Otto completely defeated Henry's forces. This caused Matilda great distress, and she warned Henry when he led a third revolt, she'd been given a prophecy he would die, and he did in 955. Henry and Otto had never agreed on much, but they both did get frustrated with their mother's gifts to the poor and the sick. After Henry's death, she devoted her efforts to building three convents, then took charge of the kingdom when Otto was sent to Rome to become the Holy Roman Emperor. She was deeply devoted to her subjects and died on this day in 968. St. Matilda, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and we're in the season of Lent. I am very excited, which is probably not the word you're going to expect with what's coming next in this sentence. I am very excited to talk about the Stations of the Cross. Uh, You know, as a kid, I would not have been excited to talk about the Stations of the Cross. I remember every Friday in Lent, kneeling in the church at St. Francis. Are we there yet? We're only on the third station. When are we going to get to the 14th station? We've been kneeling for a long time. Um, but as I've grown older, this is, this is a prayer devotion that means a lot to me. And here to help us break open the Stations of the Cross, Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. Sister, good to be with you today. Great to be back, Adam. I would imagine, uh, based on what I know about St. Francis and especially the uh, – the time he spent rebuilding the church, both literally and figuratively, that the Stations of the Cross occupy a very special place in the hearts of your order. Well, yeah, for a couple of different reasons. Actually, we really have St. Francis to thank for the widespread devotion of the Stations of the Cross. I mean, they're based on the course of Via Dolorosa in the Holy Land. And when Francis went there, he realized that not everyone would ever necessarily have a chance to go to the Holy Land. And so he wanted to bring that to the churches. And so I think it was Franciscan churches that actually first had the privilege of having the images of the Stations of the Cross within the churches themselves, and that privilege was later extended to other churches too. But um, yeah, Francis's great love for Christ crucified very much forms who who we are in, in our particular community. But then with our charism being making Christ's merciful love visible, praying the Stations of the Cross is actually part of our daily devotion. Uh, we, we each each sister prays the Stations privately each day. So. So you don't just pray the Stations of the Cross on Friday. You pray them every day? Every day. Every day? Every day. All right. Now, um, I feel like I am just now uh, completely unqualified for this conversation. (laughs) You you are the expert here. I thought I have a good grasp on the Stations of the Cross. Perhaps our most recent experience with the Stations was that time that we were in Catholic school, maybe many years ago for some, and we haven't prayed the Stations since. Where do we start? I mean, obviously the first station. That's the first but, station. Right? Yeah. But, Jesus is condemned to death. That's exactly where we start. I, I guess to rephrase, how do we prepare to pray the stations of the cross? Sure. So I think um, going into the stations with a particular intention and knowing that this is not just some empty exercise where we like, you know, go through it and check the box and hit all the stations and say all the right things. But it's an invitation to enter into the mystery and for us to walk the stations with the Lord himself, uh, to enter into that station with him, to become Veronica, to become Simon, uh, to stand with Mary, to become one of the weeping women of Jerusalem and to really 
enter into the mystery of what is portrayed before us through the various meditations. Now, there's the classic St. Alphonsus Liguori ones that I think most a lot of parishes will use those during their Fridays during Lent. Um, but like there are just a myriad of different meditations. And actually, it's been really beautiful. A lot of our sisters have kind of written their own over time. So I have a kind of a little folder of, of different station meditations that people have written. They're often given as gifts at different times. And some of the little one-liner stations, you know, it's not a whole booklet, but those little one-liners for each of the stations can take me into a deeper intimacy with the Lord, sometimes than a longer paragraph-long meditation. I know my favorite setting of the Stations of the Cross is the uh, setting composed by St. John Henry Cardinal Newman. I, and I don't know why they speak to me so much, but since I first heard them about eight years ago, every Lent, I don't use them every Friday, but I make sure to pray them at least once, which usually ends up being two or three times because I find them to be very moving. But this is definitely one of those things, I think, find a good arrangement, find a good set of reflections and what's speaking to your heart and and run with it. Exactly. And that's that's kind of the case for everything, right? You find what works for you and run with it, whether it's a version of the examine that works for you or a set of Stations of the Cross meditations, uh, but not being afraid to try new things too. I know when I have a little bit more time, like when I'm on my silent retreat and there's no, like I'm not trying to get work done or anything else that day, I had these really long stations that were composed by John Paul II that were used on Good Friday in the year 2000. And that's kind of like my my retreat stations. So I use those during retreat. and um, But then, yeah, I have little little various little booklets and uh, sometimes I like to kind of compose my own. I kind of have these like stations of St. Peter. Like what was Peter thinking at each of the stations? Uh, I have ones that were with Mary where I've walked them backwards. We start at the tomb and we walk backwards to the beginning. And that's, again, when you're doing it privately, it's kind of a different thing to do than when you're in the church with a whole group of people. But Yeah. Now, one of the things that you know I hope to do each and every Lent, and this is the year I really hope to get back into this swing, is go to the fish fry on Friday and then stay. Most parishes you can stay, and they have the Stations of the Cross that evening. This is a good thing for us to do, to go to a public devotion of Stations of the Cross, whether it's in the parish church or or somewhere else. Um, but what if we can't make it to the, the public praying of the Stations? Right. So, again, thankfully, many churches in the Archdiocese of St. Louis remain open throughout the day for private veneration of the of the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, but also to be able to pray the stations. I mean, they're right there on the wall generally, or or perhaps you even have a nice prayer garden outside with some, some outdoor stations. So one of my favorite places to go is the Shrine of Our Lady of Sorrows in Starkenburg. I've been there a few times, and there's a beautiful little chapel there. There's some indoor stations, but the outdoor stations, it provides us this little scenic walk. And my favorite part of the whole thing is that there's actually a tomb. And so you can go into the tomb and there's a statue of the dead Christ there. And um, so just to be able like literally to enter into the tomb in a very particular way, it makes the 14th station come alive. And I'm not a big snake fan. And apparently my, my priest friend said, yeah, if you don't like snakes, you don't want to go near that tomb. And I was like, oh man, but I really want to go into the tomb. Thankfully I did not see a snake. So Rest All assured, right. everybody. Well, it's good. <laughs> th- there you have it. I'll share that one of my favorites is in Belleville, Illinois, the Shrine of Our Lady of the Snows. They have a beautiful outdoor uh, Stations of the Cross. Also, White House Retreat Center in South St. Louis County has one. And there's something nice about going to these places uh, when – you have to check with each place to find out when they're open and if they're open to the public, especially with the retreat centers. They may have retreats going on. But there's something wonderful about making those outdoor stations because you tend to walk farther. In the church, especially depending on the size of the church, you know, the little country parish <laughs> first like the cathedral in, in Springfield or the, the cathedral basilica here in St. Louis, um, it might be a longer walk around the church or a short walk in some places. And when you do the outdoor stations, usually you get a pretty good walk in as well. And there's something about making that pilgrimage 
from station to station, which is going back to uh, one of the first things you said. St. Francis realized that most people at the time probably would not be able to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And I think that still holds true that most of our listeners, hopefully more and more, have been able to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, but I know I have not yet. Um, How can we make a pilgrimage while praying the Stations of the Cross? Yeah, again, it's what is the purpose of a pilgrimage? It's it's an exterior journey that's taken for an interior purpose. And so we take this exterior journey and we do it with Jesus. So we, it's the more relational, the better, (laughs) Um, because that's actually what will change us in the process of the journey. All right. Now, sister, last time you were with us on the show, we were talking about silence. And one of the things that you mentioned was that if something comes to you while you're taking that time for silent prayer, you know, maybe one time, dismiss it, move on. Then it comes back again. Maybe pay a little bit more attention to it, but move on. But if it comes back a third time, stop and maybe sit with it for a moment because that could be the Holy Spirit prompting you to something. You know, I I used to pray the Stations of the Cross like we pray this station. We adore you, O Christ, and we bless you because by your Holy Cross you have redeemed the world. Pray the station, pray the prayers after the station, move on to the next station. But if we're praying them privately, perhaps we might just get stuck on the eighth station or the ninth station or, or pick your station And that's okay to uh, maybe stop for a while at one particular station and reflect longer than you might for the others. Absolutely. Pay attention to what has your attention. What is the Lord wanting to speak to you about that particular station? That's actually, it's a a frequent question among the sisters. Like, hey, what station has your attention right now? Because as we go through our lives, we are walking the way of the cross consistently. We're walking it with the Lord. We're carrying our cross with him. We're carrying his cross, really, um, in the daily daily situations that we come up with in our lives and we come against in our lives. They're always an invitation to intimacy. And so what is what does Jesus' walk to the crucifixion look like in my heart today? Oh, I love that because you just gave me an idea for my family. Um, we live within walking distance of the closest parish church, and we'll probably go to the fish fry there. And, you know, hopefully we're staying for the Stations of the Cross as well. And then as we're walking home, we usually talk. And what a great question. Hey, kids. Hey, spouse. Uh what station struck you? Did anything stick out to you as we were praying the Stations mm-hmm. of the Cross? And a great opportunity for a little family catechesis right there. On a, a more humorous note, one time one of the sisters asked at table, what's your favorite station? And, it, and one of the sisters like, was like, radio station? <laughs> was kind of, Covenant like, Network? Yeah, yeah, you know? like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, sister, I, I want to thank you for breaking open the Stations of the Cross a little bit with us. But I've got uh, some exciting news to share. And I'm going to share it with you and our listeners at the same time. Beginning today on the Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier, we're actually going to take each station of the cross um, over the next three weeks. And Patty will tell you more about it when we get to the Daily Dose of Encouragement later in the show. But I want to invite you all to stay with us each and every day to pray the stations of the cross and pray them on Fridays. And as Sister, you said, pray them outside of Fridays too. You can really pray them any day of the week. Yep, absolutely. They're always there, and Jesus is always inviting us to draw close to him as he walks that way for us out of love. Wonderful. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We do have a uh, catechist question for you today. It is, what is the term used to describe how the gifts of bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ? There is a term for that. What is that term used to describe how the gifts of bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know it? I'll tell you the answer right now. It's transubstantiation. 
transubstantiation through the prayers of the priest acting in persona Christi. Uh, we have, you know, I, I always tell my kids to keep an eye out and an ear out, more importantly, for the three bells. At the Epiclesis, when Father places his hands over the gifts, uh, we, he prays and that the Holy Spirit would come down and transform these gifts of bread and wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the words of institution, uh, we have the the elevations there, and it's always uh, without fail. And it happened this past weekend. One of my kids says, "When will I get to eat the bread?" And I, you know, I told him after mass, I said, "You can eat bread any day of the week you want. You know, you can't drink wine yet, but you can eat bread any day of the week. But that is no longer bread. You know." Once Father prays those prayers, and the words of institution are praised, by the time that bell rings, it's no longer bread. It might look like bread, and it's not just it. We are gazing upon an actual person of the Blessed Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I have to tell you that one habit I'm trying to break myself of, it's one of those things we've been going to Mass for so long Referring to Holy Communion as it? No, no, I want to break myself of that habit and refer to Holy Communion as our Lord. Jesus Christ, fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in both species. The, what, you know, what appears as bread, what appears as wine. Um, it's fully our Lord present. So transubstantiation is the word for that. Now you have a new word in your vocabulary, perhaps, or you've rekindled an old one. And uh, let's remember that. It's good to remind ourselves of that so that when we go to church, when we go to Holy Mass, we remember that despite the accidents, the accidental appearance of bread, the accidental appearance of wine, we are really in the presence of our Lord. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. You know me. I am not the most avid reader, but I do like to keep an eye out for books that catch my attention. I like to uh, thumb through them, peruse them, if you will, and see if it's something that I would pass on to a friend. And one caught my eye recently, and that is A Young Catholic's Guide to Spiritual Warfare by Father Bill Peckman for two reasons. Uh, First and foremost, I think spiritual warfare is one of those things that we don't talk enough about, we don't acknowledge enough in our lives that it is a reality. It is going on, friends, and more on that in a moment here. But second, I saw this book was published by Mater Media, and Zipper Zeppa over at Mater Media is a good friend of ours, good friend of the show. And if Zipper Zeppa said this book needs to be in print, then that's a pretty good indication to me that this is a book that needs to be on my radar screen. Joining us by phone today is the author of A Young Catholic's Guide to Spiritual Warfare, Father Bill Peckman, from the Diocese of Jefferson City in Missouri. Father, good to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. Well, let's talk about this, uh, Father, before we even get into the book, because this is A Young Catholic's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. Let's lay out the terms of what we're talking about here today. What is spiritual warfare, for those who may not be familiar? Spiritual warfare is the ability to fight off temptation, and in fighting off temptation, to grow in virtue. So it's doing battle with the devil, as we see many times mentioned in the scriptures. I I think that's a good place to start. And this is a reality going on around us all the time. I I get accused sometimes by my my good friend, Father Zach Edgar, of being, uh, he he, he chides me for coming off as a little semi-Pelagian that, you know, we can just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and accomplish salvation on our own. We cannot do it without sanctifying grace and without actual grace moving us in the right direction. 
Oh, who was I reading the other day that was talking about that that said actual grace is like the the wind blowing the sails of a ship in the right direction, that actual grace from God. The devil is trying to, well, blow us in the opposite direction, and, and there you have it, spiritual warfare right there. So, Father, um, you, you wrote this book, A Young Catholic's Guide to Spiritual Warfare, and at first I said, well, that sounds like somewhat of a heady topic and a deep topic. Um, is this really something we need to be talking about with young people? And I'm assuming you would say the answer is yes, because you wrote the book. Yes, absolutely. Temptation is... A part of life from you know our childhood on, and learning how to counter temptation. What are the tools that we can use in countering temptation, especially you know the aforementioned avenues of grace? So in the book, I talk about um, the use of that of those tools of those weapons, and first and foremost is a active engagement in the sacramental life of the Church, especially with the Eucharist and with sacrament of reconciliation, because we receive that grace from God that is necessary for us to do the battle that we need to do to live the life of virtue we're called to live. Also in the book I talk about um, the tools that the Church gives us, you know, fasting, abstinence, prayers like the Rosary, the Angelus, spending time in what I call unstructured prayer, you know, meditation. Um, seeking God's will, and then learning how to recognize temptation when it comes. Because we live in a society that's very good about saying what is evil is good and what is good is evil. And I think if we're not instructed on the difference between good and evil, how to tell it, we don't see temptation when it comes. So in the book, the main part of it talks about how temptation comes to us, and I use the example of the seven deadly sins, of how it's presented to us, what to look for, and what are the tools and the weapons to combat you know, the temptations that come in those various forms. I, I was actually just about to remark that, that I love the way the book is laid out by using the seven deadly sins for that, and then at the end of each chapter. So, for example, chapter nine on gluttony, you talk about what gluttony is, you give examples of gluttony, you talk about the dangers of it, so on and so forth, and then at the end, you give us the reference back to the core battle plan, which is very early in the book. You right. give us some other steps that we need to go through, for example, to gauge our reactions to the topic in this chapter and try and grow in humility regarding anything that they might trigger, to create a plan to eliminate the objects of our gluttony, to consider how many times you've squandered resources due to acts of gluttony, to embrace generosity and justice, to practice temperance, a great cardinal virtue there, and um, to implement these practices, uh, so on and so forth. And each chapter, with each of the seven deadly sins, you give us this breakdown of do these concrete things. And I think that's really great because my kids are of that age. They're learning how to ride bikes without training wheels. And, you know, at a certain point, they have to just get into the discipline of get on the bike and immediately push the pedal and start moving so you don't fall. And then when you go to brake, put your feet out so that you can steady yourself. And they need to get in the, the ritual of that so it becomes habitual and they know how to ride a bike. Well, giving us these clear outlines for what we do when we encounter these seven deadly sins is the same thing. It's a great training. So we're training today that when we encounter them tomorrow, we know what to do instinctively. We don't have to think, well, what did Father Peckman say in that book that I'm supposed to do? We just do it. And you use the word humility. 
because I use that word multiple times in this book as one of the key resources in combating temptation, because if we're not humble, we're not truthful about sin, about our participation in sin, we'll never seek to combat sin. And so that humility that Christ repeatedly calls for in the gospel is key to winning in spiritual warfare. Because also in humility, we understand that we need the grace of God, that we need what is given to us in the Eucharist, we need what is given to us in the sacrament of reconciliation. So hopefully that humility draws us closer to God and helps us in that combat or combat with um, temptation. Well, Father, I have to tell you, I love it. I look forward to actually reading this full book, and, and more so, I look forward to passing it along to my 11-year-old son and saying, son, you need to read this and let's talk about it as you do. I think it's going to be a great aid for us as we continue his formation, especially in these preteen years. Um, You know, I I can't help but think the foundation we're laying with him right now is really going to be put to the test over the next six, seven, eight, nine, ten years and starting much sooner than I would care to admit. The book is A Young Catholic's Guide to Spiritual Warfare by Father Bill Peckman. It is available by going to matermedia.org. That's M-A-T-E-R media.org. Father, could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? Sure. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we ask you to give us the wisdom necessary through your Holy Spirit to seek the tools that you give us to combat temptation so that in combating temptation, we may be drawn closer to you, and in being drawn closer to you, to our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Friends, we're going to take a break, but stay tuned. There's more Roadmap to Heaven after this. As we move another week into the season of Lent, it is a new topic for our daily dose of encouragement. And friends, I have to tell you that when Patty told me what we were going to start today with the daily dose of encouragement, I was so excited and so hungry for this topic. Patty, what do you have for us? Well, we're going to take a deep dive for three weeks now. We're going to do this for three weeks, but we're going to take it slowly together and because it's Lent, we're going to talk about the stations of the cross. And actually each day we're going to stop at each station with just some encouragement, some reflections. And I hope that this will just help all of our listeners grow in our love for the Stations of the Cross. So as we start this whole topic, I just have to go with the words of Christ when he said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. All of us experience the cross in our lives. We have to, in order to have resurrection, you got to, you know, there's no resurrection without the cross. So all of us experience sometimes the passion in our own lives. And we also, of course, want to thank the Lord for what he did and endured as he walked the road to Calvary. So we're going to take these three weeks to unpack the stations. And every day I want to just encourage you to pray the stations of the cross, pray them anywhere. It's very easy to do. You basically open with a prayer that says, We adore you, O Christ, and we praise you, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. And then just ponder the station. Maybe pray for someone who's experiencing that station right now in their lives or for yourself, or to grow in the virtue by pondering that station. Meditate on it. 
apply it to your own life. And then what I do, again, I'm just throwing this out. There's many ways to pray the stations. But then what I do is I say, one Our Father, one Hail Mary, and one Glory Be. So that's what I do. I just say, we adore you, O Christ, and we praise you because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. Then I think about that station and then say some prayers for people. So let's start with the very first one. The first station, Jesus is condemned to death. And right now, wherever you are right now, what do you think of when you hear those words? Jesus is condemned to death. What do you pray about? What comes to mind? What are you experiencing? For me, again, there's many ways to pray the Stations of the Cross. Here's what I think of immediately. I think of anybody that's on death row right now, or they've just been handed a death sentence. I think of every unborn child who's condemned to die today through abortion. I pray for that child. I pray for anyone who's getting a medical death sentence today. You know, you might just find out you have Alzheimer's or that you might have Lou Gehrig's disease or you might have a a brain tumor, whatever it is. That's like getting the news of handing down a death sentence. And there are people we need to pray for in that situation. But then I also think about Pontius Pilate. And I pray that I will not be like Pontius Pilate and condemn others with my own words. How many times have I done that? Or I think of anyone who's struggling in their marriage, that they will not condemn it to divorce, that they will persevere. I think of all the times that I've condemned, criticized, or written others off with my hasty decisions. And then I think of Pontius Pilate in that question that he said, what is truth? When he had the truth right in front of him. So how many times have I not recognized the truth and I've jumped to my own hasty conclusions when the truth was right in front of me? There's so many things. Again, you can think of all political leaders political leaders who need our prayers. They're making life and death decisions every day. Think of even uh, school principals and mayors and our pastors and our bishops. And how many times are the crowds ranting and raving and pressure to do this or that? They're in a situation of a punch's pilot. We've all been there. We all know. And then finally, I think of the virtue. What's the virtue from this first station? I think I always pray to grow in wisdom that I would be able to choose what is right and good and not necessarily the easiest way out. Those are just some of my initial thoughts with just this very first station. There's so much to pray about with each one. So today, let's just think about that first station. Jesus is condemned to death. Are you feeling like Pontius Pilate today? Are you feeling like someone you know is in that situation? We got a long journey ahead of us, but Think about that today. Think about people that might be experiencing some very heavy crosses and pray for them today. Patty, I look forward to walking the stations of the cross with you over these next few weeks. Thank you for this daily dose of encouragement. As we wrap up this morning, it's a good occasion to stop. We're in the beginning of the second week of Lent, and hopefully by now we have settled into our Lenten disciplines. I know there are some I've got going, and they're going rather well. There are others that I keep having to prod myself or remind myself, hey, you wanted to do this, now do this. You made a commitment to it, so don't falter in that commitment. I always find the second week of Lent to be a great time to check in with myself about what's going well. I will share with you um, one of the minor things I'm doing that that has been very 
productive. You know, I've mentioned it on the air. I don't like to talk about a lot of the things that I, I've chosen to do, but this one I've mentioned, so I'll check in with you on it. I've, I've converted my phone to grayscale, right? I turned off the, the uh, color display on my phone. It's all black and white. The kids, they keep asking, were, were all things, you know, when they took that, could people only see in black and white? And I'm like, no, no, they could see in color. But the picture's in black and white. Well, that's the technology there, sweetheart. And, but, but, Dad, I don't understand it. I know. Well, let's move on. Um, I have found that I, I am putting my phone down more and more. I'm not picking it up less and less, but I'm putting it down more and more. And that's been a great fruit. What's been a struggle for me, I had committed to do some reading, and I have been doing it, but I haven't. Uh, you know, that's been the hard one is really making the time and sticking with it and saying I'm going to read this that I have committed to. And I need to maybe reevaluate. Now, I know what you're saying. Adam, weeks ago when we got to what, what's referred to as Septuagesima, the, the Jesima Sundays, the, the preseason, you even came on the radio, Adam, and said this is the preseason of Lent. This is the time to get into these practices so you don't falter during Lent. Yes, yes, that is true, and uh, some of these things I'm really glad I got a jump start on, but others I'm I'm not doing so great with, and this is a good time to just be honest and say, all right, what do I need to do to honor the commitment that I've made? Now, yesterday I mentioned that one of my kids at Holy Mass looked up at our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and whispered in my ear, when do I get to eat the bread, right? That's one, that's a very common thing. But another common thing, especially when you have younger children, is the question, how long do we have to kneel? This hurts. This hurts, Dad. And I couldn't help but think of uh, Gabe Jones and Chris Oran and Dan Vonderhaar last Friday on the Roadmap Roundup talking about, yeah, it does hurt, but our Lord hung on the cross for three hours suffering and dying for you, so you can kneel down. And I got a kick out of that this past Sunday that they said, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And I said, well, look at look at Jesus on the cross. That hurt too. And all of a sudden, the the, uh, the protests stopped. The, the children were no longer saying, it hurts to kneel. They said, okay, I'll kneel. And it was a beautiful moment. Um, really a, a wonderful, wonderful thing. And you know, it's one of those things that I wonder sometimes how often I need the reminders. You know, talking about remembering to do our Lenten penance. The other day we were cleaning up some things around the house, and uh, it was late in the day. Our sleep schedules were off because even though we got up at the same time according to the clock, we we all know that the clock shifted. And so for our bodies, we're not used to getting up that early and we're just kind of, you know, slowing down yesterday. And I, we needed to clean off the table. And I just said, all right, you get these things, you get these things, I'll get these things, you do that, and I'm going to do this. And about five times I said, you missed that. You missed that. No, you missed that, sweetie. Sweetie, you didn't pick that up. I, I've asked you now three times. Now it's four times. We've all been there, right? And do we need that ourselves? Things that are that we need to do. Do we have that accountability? Do we have that reminder? So let that be today. A little long-winded. I apologize for that, but let that be today. What do you need that reminder to do? Maybe make yourself a note. You know, Dan Vonderhaar shared on Friday morning, just in case you missed it, that he has a note on top of his Bible. It's a post-it note affixed to the top of his Bible that says, read me. Well, maybe you need to put a note on your computer monitor. Maybe you need to put a note on the door so that when you get home, the first thing you do is remember 
I need to do this. I need to do it right now. You know, it's it's not optional. Stop and make yourself do it. And well, that's that's all I'm going to say about that. I would all well, yeah, no, I'll stop myself there. You've got other things to get to. I want to let you know, and I've been asked to share this with you that St. Mary's Parish in Alton is having a retreat this coming Saturday, March 19th from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., where they will be talking about finding freedom from discouragement, practical guidelines from St. Ignatius of Loyola. More information on that can be found at stmarysalton.com. That's stmarysalton.com, or you can email special events at St. Mary's Alton. So be sure to check that out. And I would encourage all of our listeners, whether you're able to get to that or, or to something else, find a spiritual program to go to this Lent, whether it's a morning of reflection, an evening of reflection, a day-long retreat, a weekend retreat, if that's possible. Um, find something to get to this Lent. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about St. Patrick on Wednesday. Father Jeff Kirby will be with us to talk about St. Patrick. Um, and we've got more in store for you as well. So be sure to join us for that. Don't forget to pray your rosary. We're continuing to ask everyone to pray for the intention of the people of Ukraine and an end to the conflict there. And uh, visit ourcatholicradio.org slash events to learn how you can sign up for the Rosary for Priests if you haven't done so already. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.